This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Welcome to Amazing Grace. My name is Warren, and um, today we're going to be sharing about Jesus Christ. We're going to be sharing about His grace. We're going to be sharing about His love for each one of us. Really, we're sharing the gospel, and the gospel gives us hope in a world that is crumbling and falling apart. Friends, I don't know... But, you know, you only have to look around these days at earthquakes and floods and famines, pestilences, and, um, and the list goes on. And so today we want to bring you hope, and uh, that's why we're going to be sharing Jesus, because Jesus brings hope to a hopeless world. Here at Amazing Grace, we would love to hear from you. If you have a question for us, would like to make a comment on something that we've said, please don't hesitate. Now, we're going to be reading from two two books in the second half of our program. One's called Steps to Jesus, and the other one's called The Desire of Ages. Wonderful books about how to get to know Jesus better. And I really find them uplifting every time I read them. And I know that you will be blessed. Look, we'll be happy to post them out to you. Uh, all you have to do is contact us, and we'd be happy to do that. Now, you can contact us in a couple of ways. The first way is by email, and the email address is triple nine amazing grace at gmail.com. That's nine 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 amazing grace, and amazing grace has only one G at gmail.com. Or you can text or call us on 027 229 6624. That's 027-229-6624. And uh, so you can contact us in those those ways. Also, you can also contact the station, and they would be happy to pass on that information. And uh, so the other thing, too, is if you'd like us to pray for you, um, we have... Haven't had anyone ask us to pray on air, but we have had a few people ask us to pray off air. Um, but we'd be happy to pray on air or off air. And if you just contact, if you would like us to pray for yourself or um, your family or a friend, uh, we'd be happy to do that for you. If you ha- have any questions, as we said, you'd like to to make a comment on something that we've said, we'd, we'd be happy to to look at that too. So before we go any further and start our program, friends, we're just going to pause and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for our listeners. We thank you, Lord, that you love them. And uh, we just pray that today um, that they will find hope for the future through Jesus Christ, your son. 
We thank you that through the Holy Spirit, everyone is being drawn to you. And we just pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to draw in people's lives today. And so, Father, we ask for a blessing on our listeners and their families, asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, let's focus again on Jesus because it's just a wonderful subject. And, you know, it's what Christianity is about. You know, um, <clears throat> Christianity comes from the name Christ, and and it's the central theme of of the Bible. In fact, Jesus said that himself to the Pharisees and to people in his day. Our great defender, and who is our great defender? Well, you guessed it, Jesus Christ. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight, John 18.36. What is the method of sanctification? Is it by faith alone? In John 15.5, Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. He's talking about producing the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of obedience in, in the Christian life. If without him we can do nothing, then, then it's all going to have to be done by faith in him. In our text for today, Jesus said, If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? Whether fighting sin and the devil, whether fighting men who are under the control of Satan, as were the Jewish leaders, Jesus does not ask us to defend or to try and defend ourselves. Our part is to remain in fellowship or relationship with him, depending on him for deliverance. Some people ask Jesus what they should do that they might work the works of God. And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe on him who he hath sent. John six twenty nine. Jesus says, he that eateth my me shall live by and by. What does that mean? Verse 63. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. Mark 14.38 He said, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Here he gives us another clue on how to depend upon him. The methods of sanctification are through his word, through prayer, through watchfulness, concerning relationship with him, through dependence upon him. In John chapter 1 and verse 29, we read that it was said of Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This verse can be seen in several ways. First, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, can refer to Jesus' death as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. Second, it can refer to relationship. Behold, the Lord of the world. Second, it can refer to Relationship. Behold the Lamb of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. It is by beholding that we are changed. And third, if we can refer to sanctification, Christ, sorry, behold the Lamb, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. In Luke 10, 42, Jesus told Martha that they... There is only one thing need, needful, and that is to sit at his feet. 
This is the accomplished this is accomplished through his word and through prayer. It is through this relationship that we accept his just, justifying grace, and it is through this relationship that we are enabled to behold him, which results in our lives being changed into his image, and that's how it is. Whatever we focus on, that's what we end up becoming. If we focus on the bad things of the world, that's where we'll go. If we focus on the on the good things, um, God and his goodness, then if we focus on those things, we will be changed into his image from glory to glory. This is indeed Our Father's World. Beautiful song. 
Okay, so it's the health tip of the week, and we're just going to quickly look at an aspect of dietary fiber. Now, I know that we've been thrashing this, and we probably today may be the last time that we look at dietary fiber for for a while. But the reason that I have stuck with dietary fiber is is because it's so important, so important. It's really helps us in our health, and you know. It's a little bit like, let me use the analogy, if you run a car on, um, say, kerosene or um, some other fluid that it will run, but it just does not not made to run on that, It'll, it'll run, you know, for maybe even a year or two, but eventually, if you keep putting the wrong fuel in it, eventually, something will happen. The engine will blow up, or something will happen to the engine. And so um, <clears throat> it's the same if we don't feed our body with the right food. You know, we can feed our bodies fish and chips and pies and, and you know, bake, bakery-type foods that really don't have any roughage, don't have any fibre, don't have really any goodness at all except they just fill us up. That really will not cause us for our bodies to live a long time. And when we get into, well, not even necessarily old age, but once we even get into later middle age, we can start having lots of health issues and problems and pain. And so this is one of the ways, I mean, there's lots of others. Exercise is definitely one of them. But this is one of the ways that with diet we can turn our life around. Uh, Six health benefits of dietary fibre. It boosts digestive health. The different types of fibre work in various ways to help and maintain or achieve digestive health. It boosts heart health, and that's important for us. It improves immunity and mental health. Um, You know, we all need to have strong immunity. Um, And my immunity can't be too bad because my wife actually had the coronavirus twice. And uh, the second time she had it, um, I even though I was sleeping in the same bed and living in the same house, we, we didn't we didn't kiss, uh, but we um, were in close proximity to each other. And yet I never got the coronavirus a second time. And I only put that down to the fact that I have a strong immune system because I've actually been following what I've been sharing with you every week. The other thing is that a high dietary fiber diet will, it reduces cancer risk. Now, it's not saying that you'll never get, that nobody will ever get cancer because we, we can't say that, but your chances are much less. So instead of it being like, you know, 40, 60, 40 that you will and 60 that you won't, you know, um, if you're eating good, healthy food, it's probably more likely to be, you know, under 20, 20%. Um, and so it's important to um, to eat the right foods. It reduces diabetes risks and effects. And, you know, many people have diabetes these days. But, you know, um, dietary fiber is so good for those people that All right, and it helps with weight loss. So really it's a no-brainer, isn't it? A no-brainer 
that we look at this dietary fiber. We eat foods that are high in dietary fiber and, you know, fruits and vegetables in general terms um, are very high in, in dietary fiber. And so if we eat plenty of fruit and vegetables um, and whole grains, because uh, whole grains have the, the dietary fiber, things like um, rolled oats and such like, You'll find that if you eat that pro- those products, that you will live um, much longer, you'll be healthy, and be able to enjoy your life. So that's our health tip for this week, and uh, just pray that uh, you were blessed by that health tip this week. Broken dreams He's the hope 
You're listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. You can't earn a gift. Is that true? No, you can't earn a gift. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Matthew 16.25 In our text for today, Jesus is saying, in essence, that you cannot accept a gift and earn it as well. This is one of the big mountainous questions that face us today. Can we earn or merit God's grace? whether it's in the realm of justification or sanctification? The answer is is both no. We can never earn merit or work for God's grace. It is a gift. It is always a gift. If we try to save ourselves, we are going to end up forsaking Jesus. This is shown in Matthew 26, 51 to 56. It's the story of Peter and the other disciples. They were sure that they would die for Jesus. They loved him. They had worked and traveled with Jesus for more than three years, but they thought that they could take care of themselves. Instead of spending time in the garden watching and praying, they simply buckled their swords a little tighter and went to sleep. They thought that they were prepared for any emergency. But notice the commentary in the the Desire of Ages on the sequence of events at night. The disciples were terrified as they saw Jesus permit himself to be taken and bound. They were offended that he should suffer this humiliation to himself and them. They could not understand his conduct and they blamed him for submitting to the mob. In their indignation and fear, Peter proposed that they save themselves. Following the suggestion, they all forsook him and they fled. Whether I'm trying to save myself in justification, trying to earn or merit my forgiveness, or trying to save myself by overcoming and obedience and victory and sanctification, in the end I'm going to forsake Jesus. If we try to weave ourselves into the picture in whatever area of salvation, whether justification, sanctification, or glorification, then we are going to try and save ourselves, and ultimately we will follow the example of the disciples who forsook him. It is blasphemy for the man for a man to try to be God or to try to save himself. No matter in what aspect of salvation, we can be saved only through Jesus, through accepting his merits and through continuing the faith relationship with him. You see, it's all by faith, by trusting in Jesus Christ. And that's why, you know, I mean, you could say that the gospel is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But probably just as good and probably more, probably there's a little bit more information for us is, is Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And I now live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I need to be joined with Christ. My faith needs to not be in myself. My faith needs to be in, in what God can do in my life, not what I can do. Because we can do nothing. You know, we can do absolutely nothing. It's only what God can do in and through us. And so if we will 
trust in Jesus, if we will put our faith and trust in him, because, you know, the Bible actually says in, in Romans 14 that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Really, salvation comes about by trusting in Jesus Christ, never comes about trusting in self, and there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves except to cast ourselves at Jesus' feet, at the foot of the cross, and trust in Jesus Christ. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Welcome back to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. And as promised in the second half of our program today, we're going to be reading from the book Steps to Jesus. Um, And the chapter is chapter 6, and the chapter is entitled Faith and Acceptance. As God's Holy Spirit brings to life the spiritual powers of your mind, you begin to see how evil and strong sin is. You feel the guilt and sorrow it brings, and you hate it. You feel that sin has separated you from God. Its power has made you a slave. The more you try to escape, the more you know that you cannot help yourself. You see that your life has been filled with selfishness and sin. Your heart is unclean and your desires are not pure. You want to be forgiven, to be clean, to be set free. But what can you do to be one with God and to be like him? You need peace heaven's forgiveness, and peace and love. Money cannot buy that peace. A study will not give it. The mind cannot find it. Being wise will not provide it. You can never hope to receive this peace by your own work and power. God offers his peace to you as a gift. It will cost you nothing. It is yours if you will reach out your hands and take it. The Lord says, you are stained red with sin, but I will wash you as clean as snow. Although your stains are deep red, you will be as white as wool. Isaiah 1.18 And I will give you a new heart and a new mind. Ezekiel 36.26 You have confessed your sins and chosen to put them out of your life. You have decided to give yourself to God. Now go to him and ask him to wash away your sins. Ask him to give you a new heart and a new mind. Then believe that he does this because he is promised. Jesus taught this lesson when he was here on earth. You must believe that you receive the gift of God and his promises and that it will be yours. Jesus healed the sick people who had faith in his power Healing them made them able to see that he could help them in other ways. It led them to believe in his power to forgive sin. Jesus explained this when he was healing a man who was too sick to get up out of his bed. He said, I will prove to you then that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus then spoke to the sick man, Get up, pick up your bed and go home. Matthew 9, 6. John, the disciple of Jesus, told us why Christ healed people. He wrote, 
These have been written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through your faith in him that you may have life. John 20 verse 31. Read the Bible stories about Jesus healing the sick. From them you can learn something of how to believe in him for the forgiveness of sins. Turn to the story of the sick man at the pool of Bethesda. The man, the poor man was helpless. He had not walked for 38 years. Yet Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your bed and go home. The sick man did not say, Lord, if you make me well, I will obey your word. No, he believed Christ's word. He believed he was made well and that very moment he tried to walk. He chose to walk and he did walk. He acted on the word of Christ and God gave the power. The man was healed. Now look at yourself. You are a sinner. You can do nothing to take away your past sins. You cannot change your heart or make yourself holy. But God promises to do all of this for you through Christ. Believe that promise. Confess your sins and give yourself to God. Choose to serve him. God will surely keep his promise to you if you will do this. When you believe, God acts. You will be made clean and whole, just as Christ gave the sick man power to walk when he believed that he was healed. It is so if you believe it. Do not wait to feel that you are made whole. Say, I believe it. It is so, not because I feel it, but because God has promised. Jesus said, when you pray and ask for something, believe that you have received it, and you will be given whatever you ask for. Mark eleven twenty four. There is something important to remember in this promise. You must pray for those things that God wants you to have. God wants to free you from sin and to make you his child. He wants to give you power to live a holy life. You may pray for these things and believe that you have received them. Then you may thank God that you have received them. You may go to Jesus and be made clean and stand before God's law without shame or sadness. There is no condemnation for those who live in union with Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 When you belong to Christ, you are not your own, for you are brought with a price. God paid a ransom to save you. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, but he was paid for you with the priceless lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Because you believe what God has said, the Holy Spirit creates a new life in your heart. You are as a child born into the family of God, and he loves you as he loves his own son. Now that you have given yourself to Jesus, Do not turn back. Do not take yourself away from him. Day after day, say, I am Christ. I have given myself to him. Ask him to give you his spirit and to keep you by his grace. You became his child by giving yourself to God and believing in him. You are to live in him in the same way the Apostle Paul wrote, since you have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, live in union with him. Colossians 2, 6. Some people feel that they are on trial and they must prove to the Lord that they have changed before they can really receive his blessing. But 
they may receive the blessings right now. They must have his grace, the Spirit of Christ, to help them overcome their weaknesses. Without it, they cannot fight against sin. Jesus loves to have us come to him just as we are, sinful, helpless, and needy. We may come foolish and weak as we are and fall at his feet in sorrow for sin. It is his glory to put his arms of love around us and heal our wounds and make us clean. Thousands believe that Jesus pardons other people, but not them. They do not believe what God says, but every person who truly repents can know for themselves that God freely pardons everyone of his sins. Do not fear. God's promises are meant for you. They are for every person who is sorry for his sins. Christ sends angels to bring strength and grace to every believing person. Even the most sinful persons can be strong, pure, and righteousness by accepting Jesus who died for them. Christ is waiting to take away our sin-soiled clothes and to put on us the clean, white clothes of righteousness. He wants us to live and not die. God does not treat us the way that people treat each other. He thinks of us with love and mercy and with pity. Let the wicked leave their way of life and change their way of thinking. Let them turn to the Lord our God, for he is merciful and quick to forgive. Isaiah 55, 7 I have swept away your sins like a cloud. Come back to me and I am the one who will save you. Isaiah forty four twenty two. The Lord says, I do not want anyone to die. Turn away from your sins and live. Satan tries to keep you from believing the blessed promises of God. He wants to take away from you every bit of hope and every ray of light, but you must not let him do this. Do not listen to Satan. Say to him, Jesus died so that I could live. He loves me and does not want me to die. I have a loving Heavenly Father. Even though I have turned away from his love and wasted his blessings, I will go to my Father and I will say, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. Jesus told the story of a, a son who had left home and how he had received how he was received when he decided to come back. He was still a long way from home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity and he ran threw his arms around his son and kissed him. Luke 15, 20. This is a beautiful story, but it cannot fully tell of the Heavenly Father's love and pity. The Lord said through his prophet, I have always loved you, so I continue to show you my constant love. Jeremiah 31, 3. The Father is hoping for the sinner's return, even while the sinner is far away, wasting his life and money in a strange country. When a person feels a desire to return to God, this is God's spirit calling, trying to bring the sinner back to the Father's heart of love. With the wonderful promises of the Bible before you, how can you doubt? How can you think that Jesus will not welcome the sinner who wants to turn from his sins? 
Put away such thoughts. Nothing can hurt you more than believing such an idea about a heavenly father. The father hates sin, but he loves the sinner. He gave himself when he gave Christ that all who would believe might be saved. He wanted them to be forever, be blessed forever in his kingdom of glory. What stronger or more loving words could he use to tell us how much he loves us? He said, can a woman forget her own baby and not love her child she bore? Even if a mother should forget her child, I will not forget you, Isaiah forty nine fifteen. Look up to Jesus if you have doubts and fears. He lives to ask God to forgive your sins. Thank God for the gift of his dear son. Pray that his death for you will not be useless. The Spirit invites you today, come with your whole heart to Jesus and receive his blessings. Read his promises. Remember that they tell of his love and pity, which is stronger than any words can tell. God's great heart of infinite love turns to the sinner with never-ending pity. By the blood of Christ, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. Believe that God is your helper. He wants to change your life to to make it like his perfect life. Come close to him as he com- as you confess your sins and repent, and he will come close to you with mercy and forgiveness. And how do I know that? And how can I be so sure? How can the writer of this book be so sure? Because we've experienced it, and you can experience it too by vi- inviting the Lord Jesus into your life. Is heavy laden, feeling like the joy is faded. Just come, come, believing everything I told you. Here are arms that long to hold you. Just come. The mask you're hiding Here is someone to confide in I know what you've done Come Tell me everything you're hoping The Father loves a heart that's open Just come Why didn't I so you could try to save yourself I know who you are Don't try to be somebody else Come Believe in everything I told you Here are arms that long to hold you Into the joy of living, knowing that.
that your sins forgiven. Just come. Try to save yourself. I know who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. Come when your heart is heavy laden, feeling like the joy is faded. Won't you come? What a beautiful song. And that song, Jesus is, is calling us to come to him just as we are. Not trying to save ourselves, but just casting ourselves at his feet. You know, that's why a Christian can never really be proud. Well, we need to be humble because there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves except to cast ourselves at the feet of Jesus and allow him and put our faith and trust in him. And not in what we can do, but what he can do. We must see ourselves as sinners in desperate need of a saviour. And we're only saved, not by what we do, but we're saved because of the grace and mercy of God. Now, we're reading from the book, The Desire of Ages, which is from the Gospels. And uh, today's chapter, we didn't get right through it last time, and it's based on John 7, 1 to 15, and 37 to 39, and it's entitled, At the Feast of Tabernacles. As the sons of Joseph, which were Jesus' um, half-brothers, made preparation to attend the Feast of Tabernacles, they saw that Christ made no movement signifying his intention of attending. They watched him with anxiety. Since the healing at Bethesda, they had not attended, he had not attended the national gatherings. To avoid useless conflict with the leaders at Jerusalem, he had restricted his labors to Galilee. His apparent neglect of the great religious assemblies and the enmity manifested towards him by the priests and rabbis were a cause of perplexity to the people about him and even to his own disciples and kindred. In his teachings, he had dwelt upon the blessings of the obedience to the law of God, and yet he himself seemed to be indifferent to the the service which had been divinely established. His mingling with the publicans and others of ill repute, his disregard of the rabbinical observations and the freedom with which he had set aside the traditional requirements concerning the Sabbath, all seemed to place him in antagonism, to the religious authorities, exciting much questioning. 
His brothers thought it was a mistake to alienate the great and learned men of the nation. They felt that these men must be right and that Jesus was at fault in placing himself in antagonism to them. But they had witnessed his blameless life, and although they did not rank themselves with his disciples, they had been deeply impressed by his works. His popularity in Galilee was gratifying to their ambition, and they still hoped that he would give evidence of his power, which would lead the Pharisees to see that he was who he claimed to be. What if he were the Messiah, the Prince of Israel? They cherished this thought with proud satisfaction. So anxious were they that about this that they urged Christ to go to Jerusalem. Depart hence, they said, and go to Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. The if expressed doubt and unbelief. They attributed cowardice and weakness to him. If he knew that he was the Messiah, why the strange reserve and inaction? If he really possessed such power, why not go boldly to Jerusalem and insert his claims? Why not perform in Jerusalem the wonderful works reported of him in Galilee? Do not hide in the secluded provinces, they said, and perform your mighty works for the benefit of the ignorant peasants and fishermen. Present yourself at the capital, win the support of the priests and rulers, and unite the nation in establishing the new kingdom. Uh-huh, the new kingdom. These brothers of Jesus reasoned from their selfish motives so often found in the hearts of those ambitious for display. This spirit was the ruling spirit of the world. They were offended because instead of seeking a temporal throne, Christ was, had declared himself to be the bread of life. They were greatly disappointed when so many of his disciples forsook him. They themselves turned from him to escape the cross of acknowledging what his work revealed, that he was the saint of God. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it But me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast. I will not go up yet into the feast, for my time is not yet fully come. When he had said these words unto them, they they abode still in Galilee. His brothers had spoken to him in a tone of authority, prescribing the course that he should pursue. He cast their rebuke back to them, classing them not with his self-denying disciples, but with the world. The world cannot hate you, he said, but it hateth me, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. The world does not hate those who are like it in spirit. It loves those as if it was their own. The world... For Christ, it was not a place of ease and self-aggrandizement. He was not watching for an opportunity to seize its power and glory. It it held out no such prize for him. It was the place into which his father had sent him. 
he had been given for the life of the world to work out the great plan of redemption. He was accomplishing his work for the fallen race, but he was not to be presumptuous, not to rush into danger, not to hasten a crisis. Each event his work had its appointed hour. He must wait patiently. He knew that he was to receive the world's hatred. He knew that his work would result in his death, but to prematurely expose himself would not be the will of his father. From Jerusalem, the report of Christ's miracles had spread wherever the Jews were dispersed, and although for many months he had been absent from the feasts, the interest in him had not abated. Many from all parts of the world had come to the Feast of Tabernacles in the hope of seeing him. At the beginning of the feast, many inquiries were made for him. The Pharisees and rulers looked for him to come, hoping for an opportunity to condemn him. They anxiously inquired, Where is he? But no one knew. The thought of him was uppermost in all minds. Through fear of the priests and rulers, none dared acknowledge him as a Messiah, but everywhere there was a quiet yet earnest discussion concerning him. Many defended him as as the one sent from God, while others denounced him as a deceiver of the people. Meanwhile, Jesus had quietly arrived in Jerusalem. He had chosen an unfrequented route by which to go in order to avoid the travellers who were making their way to the city from all quarters. He had joined, he had he joined in any of the caravans that were up to the feast, public attention would have been attracted to him on his entrance into the city and a popular demonstration in his favour would have aroused the authorities against him. It was to avoid this that he chose to make the journey alone. In the midst of the feast, when the excitement concerning him was at the height, he entered the court of the temple in the presence of the multitude. Because of his absence from the feast, it had been urged that he dared not place himself in the power of the priests and rulers. All were surprised at his presence. Every voice was hushed. All wondered at the dignity and courage of his bearing in the midst of powerful enemies who were thirsting for his life. Standing thus, the centre of attraction to that vast throng, Jesus addressed them as no man had ever done. His words showed a knowledge of the laws and institutions of Israel, of the sacrificial service and the teachings of the prophets, far exceeding that of the priests and rabbis. He broke through the barriers of formalism and tradition. The scenes of the future life seemed outspread before him. As one who had beheld the unseen, he spoke of an earthly and heavenly, the human and the divine, with positive authority. His words were most clear and convincing, and again, as at Capernaum, the people were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with power, Luke 4.32. Under a variety of representations, he warned his hearers of the calamity that would follow all who rejected the blessings he came to bring them. 
He had given them every possible proof that he came forth from God and made every possible effort to bring them to repentance. He would not be rejected and murdered by his own nation if he could save them from the guilt of such a deed. And unfortunately, friends, we're going to have to leave it there before we've run out of time. But, wow, that's powerful. So powerful. Um, And, you know, we see in Israel the problems that they had. So I guess in churches today we're going to have problems because there's mingled in the churches spiritual and the fleshly. Some are fully committed and have fully cast themselves upon Jesus and have full faith in him. And then there are others that still trust in themselves. And that's why sometimes in churches we have issues and problems because the devil works through people who have not fully given themselves to God, people that are working in their own strength and uses these people to cause conflict in churches. Friends, let let us all give ourselves to God Let us not think that we can do anything to save ourselves. The only thing that we can do to save ourselves is is to thrust or throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus at the foot of the cross and cry out for God's mercy and God's grace. The only thing that we can do. Friends, let's finish with prayer. Father in heaven, I just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to share today. Father, may the people who have heard the message today realize that it is only through a full commitment to Jesus, through through trusting in him fully, that any one of us can be saved. We cannot save ourselves. Father, we thank you that Jesus came to live his life as an example and die and sacrifice his perfect life up, that If we put our faith and trust in him, we too can receive that perfect life that he lived. And so, Father, it gives us so much hope and so much joy in our hearts as we look forward to the future, living permanently with you in your kingdom, in your spiritual kingdom, we pray. And so we just ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, from all of us here at Amazing Grace, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.npr.nz forward slash donate.